Hello, and welcome to the Science of Sales podcast for Rural. I'm your host, Sinjin Craner. So let's get into it. And today, we're very, very lucky to have one of Australia's top marketing women and communication experts who not only runs a very own super successful global credit community called Snoot and Suit and Sneakers, I should say, Anne. I like that. I like that, by the way. Suit and Sneakers, but also runs regular LinkedIn learning courses and programs, which is what we've got Anne on the show to specifically talk about us today for. So um, Anne's taken really valuable time out. She's a very busy lady, and she's going to share some of her wisdom and learnings on how to master LinkedIn. So we're really grateful for having Anne on the show, and it's lovely to have her with us. So hi, Anne. Welcome. Hi, St. John. Thanks. I'm really grateful to be here, actually. Thank you. So now I'm speaking from one side of the ditch in New Zealand (laughs) and you're talking from another uh, in Melbourne and Australia. So maybe as a bit of a starter, Anne, can you, I've probably done you a huge injustice there with the bio and the intro. Tell us a little (laughs) bit about you and where you come from. Maybe you've got a rural connection or not and uh, why you do what you do. Oh, thanks. Yes, I do have a very soft spot for rural community. I, I was a dairy farmer's daughter, um, you know, all through my childhood. And it's like the perfect childhood, honestly, and a, you know, beautiful family. But they're really like top end dairy farmers. So they were, and my brother's um, in the um, business now too. So they've milked up to 1,200 cows. So it's oh. really big Just scale. Like- so I'm showing my dairy geek here. Was that like a fully automated system? And yeah, that's right. How, the, how many bales, Anne? Um, I think the, it was 60 last. They've had a 42 stand, then it went to 60. They um, Actually, we, I remember going on a study tour to New Zealand, actually, because New Zealand was like really innovative, innovative in um, turnstile originally. And then Dad went back to Melbourne after 70, 1972 study tour. And then built our um, system and he, you know, it was his own design and then it sort of went off from there. Other people uh, copied us. But, yeah, they were kind of famous in dairy industry actually for those people. So I have got a real soft spot and it's actually because of that. Like you'd think how does dairy farming and marketing ever, like how did I get in that world? It's quite fascinating. But it's all because of Big M. So do you have Big M? In New Zealand, the milk. Is that a cheese brand or milk? It's a like really street cred version of chocolate milk or flavored milk. Gotcha. And in the seventies, when I think it was the seventies, maybe it was later than that. They, um, you know, it was a bit politically incorrect. Like I'm a real activist now for, um, you know, women's rights and stuff like that. And as a kid, I was going, oh, I love those girls in bikinis on horses bouncing around, and (laughs) and the big M girls were like pinup girls. So funny enough, Dad was on the Victorian Dairy Industry Authority board and then he came home with all this marketing collateral and marketing stuff. So that's actually funny enough how I got into it. And he was at the VDIA, they had an ad agency, so I went for work experience and that was the end of it. It was either that or be a policewoman. (laughs) I think it's funny now. Anyway, so I fell into it, went to advertising world um, yes, yeah, so it's actually over 35 years now that I have been in the industry and for all sorts of reasons, I ended up diversifying. Um, so I started off in film production and uh, had a film company even and been a visual effects producer and um, every kind of producer that you can have. And then I could see the writing on the wall 
as you get a bit older in advertising agencies, there's not really a place for anyone who starts to have grey hair, no matter how young your mind is or how fresh a creative person there was in a space. So I thought I have to reinvent. So then I retrained in marketing, became a business coach, did like you, lots of sort of psychology-based things to understand people. And uh, I did a little bit of research, insights, um, brand strategy. Then I did a little bit of a stint in an automotive company, really big marketing department as well. I think there I realised I just was not in the right place. Like I really lost touch with the creative part of everything. And I'm this really unusual thing, like I am a suit and a sneaker. (laughs) So, I mean, that's not why I named it that way because I have like a talent roster of all industry talent all under the one roof and suits are like the nickname for people who do strategy and the grown-up stuff, <laughs> manage clients and things. To be a suit. I still am a suit. I still, oh, there you go. I still my timesheets and my admin. Yeah. <laughs> Once a suit, always a suit. And they come in the female version, of course, as well. And then um, and the creatives check and production people always wore sneakers, so that's why I've done it together. It's a cool name. It's a cool name. Yeah, thanks. I'm really, it's sort of a bit of fun. I'm definitely not very straightforward. So I really no, we'll, have to, we'll have to get you on again maybe sometime down the track, Anne, and talk around, mm. you know, we'll talk about the A word, the agency words, because I know you and I share a big passion for like our thoughts yeah. on the agency model and what's right and what's yeah. wrong. I don't know how it can be better, but um, that's yeah. probably a subject for another day. So tell me, tell me, we're here today to talk about LinkedIn and you caught my eye. We've had a lot of chats on LinkedIn ourselves, so mm. we've been using that platform to connect ourselves and that's how we've connected um tell me about what why did you choose linkedin as something that you were going to teach sales professionals what what triggered you what what made you do it's a very good question because it wasn't an intentional thing actually so i came out of the big automotive company and i didn't really expect to be out having my own business at the time i just wasn't a cultural fit there and there was a whole lot of gendered stuff going on I didn't love and I thought right that's it I'm going to do something different but then I was in a position where I'd never sort of had a client base I was always the person in the back room making stuff happen for other people so I didn't do schmoozing and have clients and things I also didn't have any um, capital and I had to be really smart about how am I going to build a business profile and get this like to grow from nothing and I'll be honest I'm a little bit ambitious like I said it's a global thing and um, I'm going head-to-head against the likes of Freelancer and Fiverr and 99designs that's my long-term game they've got all the I would call you know the competitive model that pushes everyone to the bottom and it's sort of cheap and not really top talent and yet I'm going for the industry's best under one roof so and they're all pre-qualified and it's got like really robust um, sort of process around it. So I'm really ambitious and I had to figure out how to do it. So what I was surprised by is, you know, LinkedIn really was so much better than I thought it was. And originally I think me and a whole lot of other people were using it like a social media tool and just connecting with people I've met in real life. I used to be particular even about who I connected with and it had to be only if I've met them before I was like really anal about it and then I've also became as you know like quite vocal about standing for things Mm. and there was one article I wrote about the agency model and it was the ad agency model is broken here's why (laughs) 
And that went so viral, I can't even say. It was ridiculous. And I had a 1,000 people connect with me on LinkedIn overnight and I had... Um, yeah, of one article. Of one article. I just went so mad. So you triggered them. Yeah. yeah, I've just really stood for something and I had a real mathematical explanation. I had both my suit and my sneaker on that day and so it was com- like quite robust discussion. And I also had 198 emails from sort of potential clients and everything. So it just went insane. And after that, like in my first six months, I had $3 million worth of um, bidding opportunity. I didn't win all of those, but I was preferred supplier on all of them and a lot fell over. But even still, it was just amazing. And then when I looked back over the, uh, you know, the year and the bit by the time I went, hang on, something sort of worked here. And then I mapped out what I did. And then I thought, I wonder if it'll work for other people. And so I had a few close clients and I said, look, this is what I've done for me. Why don't we try it in this exact order and let's see if it works for you? Yep, tick. I went, okay, it's worked for them. Let's try another one. Yep, tick. And I went, oh, my God, I think I found this, like, formula. <laughs> and so I mapped out this thing and I was going, well, how do, what do I call it? Because normal marketing, there's little boxes for everything and there wasn't one that, tapped into everything so this is actually sort of normal social media activity it's content marketing there's relationship building in it there's sales and there's like PR and sort of thought leadership speaking I thought well how do you sort of pull this whole thing together and then what happened was all my LinkedIn stuff so I got so busy so my whole day job was doing my client stuff and then to keep the machine going I was like doing all the marketing at night and I'm like when do you get a life <laughs> that sounds very familiar it's yeah it's, work doesn't stop at six o'clock it starts at 7 30 yeah kids go down yeah that's it yeah oh my gosh and I thought this is just so not sustainable and I'm going how can I automate as much of this yeah. as I possibly can and so I've found a whole lot of things and um there is an automated part to LinkedIn I was so lucky I found this um, beta testing um, partner in Atlanta and so I have a little secret club with them. They they won't allow any extra people on while they're in beta stage but I can bring clients on with mine. And so it's, what I love about it is it makes it actually seem like a real person is doing all the stuff one-to-one but I actually scale it. And I've also got a PR engine as well now because I didn't have time to sit and write an email to every journalist but now I can send a blast to 150 in one go kind of thing so lots of automations and at last it's like I have a bit more life back <laughs> and so I've had people just asking me what did you do and I thought oh maybe there's you know I could help them out I can't necessarily some of the smaller businesses couldn't really afford for me to do all that work for them and I thought, well, maybe I'll just show them how to do it. I'll just do an intense three-hour kind of workshop and show them what the landscape of reputation marketing, I called it, um, what that looks like end-to-end. And so, yeah, everything from, you know, designing your profile and how do you use LinkedIn as a search engine and not just a little CV and how do you get caught by the the search engine Yeah, and then, you know, all the tricks of you know getting the best conversion out of it and 
Yeah, so that was really by accident. <laughs> wow. So, like, I, I've just been, uh, when we, before we jumped on here, you've got 17,000 followers. That's right, and I've built that in two years. From two years, you've got 17,000 followers. That's amazing. Yeah. And so, yeah. and on that, just to sort of get sort of clear on it, so you've got mm. some really good tools in the background there, you've got automation, you've got a PR engine there, you're using yeah. it from an SEO perspective and yeah. conversion. So. Maybe if we could move the conversation about like, maybe we could start with like, if people are listening going, LinkedIn, I know about it, and maybe they're, 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 they're curious because they don't know its potential as a platform and mm. not hear about Facebook because there's, you know, there's lots of discussion about Facebook, but yeah. more. what are some of the most common mistakes you see people make with LinkedIn? Maybe you can give yeah. us a few things. That's a good question and I'm only saying these because I've done it too. So it's not like I'm this, you know, queen of up myself. <laughs> but I definitely was like this too and I see everybody else is sort of still in that space and I have people say, oh, I wouldn't connect with them because I haven't met them, you know, and they are very precious about it. And I think when you change your mind from saying it's no longer a social tool, it's actually a marketing machine then you actually see it really differently. So I am still picky about who I connect with. And the, out of my 17,000, I did a search before and 10,000 of them are actually my um, uh, potential client, like exactly. And the other 17,000 are my potential um, uh, freelance network because I'm the queen of the freelancers really. And so I'm going, well, this is perfect. I've got both ends. So there's... Oh. Occasionally, a little bit of a rubbish person, <laughs> that's terrible to say, but <laughs> someone not qualified for me might sort of ha happen in there. It used to be if you get a 1,000 overnight, you just go accept everybody and anyone who you find out later is not quite right, you can remove them because it's just the volume was too big. Um, so I think that's number one problem. You think of it like a marketing machine and no longer like a social media kind of, you know, friends network. That's good. Uh, and the other thing I would say is people treat it like stamp collecting. So they want to show off how many numbers they've got. So like even when it sounds like, oh, you know, Anne's got a lot of contacts, um, I only want those numbers because that's actually my key audience. But if it was just 17,000 people of people who would never, you know, buy with me Man. or be Man. useful, yeah, <laughs> or SEO specialists, oh, my God, how many of those do you get? Yeah. That is terrible. Yeah, there's so, a, lot of, a lot of brand and bland specialists. I just get mixed up between brand. Oh. And that's, a, that's a story for another. Day. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so they're yeah. like. So what's what do you mean by stamp collecting? They just like to collect the numbers. Yeah, just the numbers, and they're not very well qualified, I suppose. So it's sort of rubbish stamps, maybe rather than the right. um, specialty stamps. So you're, you're saying your seventeen thousand. I was really intrigued and curious around mm. you talk about the search thing because I think there's a lot of people underestimating yeah. LinkedIn. Maybe, maybe you could tell people about how you actually properly use search and LinkedIn. I mean, don't yeah. give away all your goodies, but like, yeah, you know, no, a few tips would be great to help people. Like, if you think about if someone was searching for your job on the main internet, even so, if you said, um, you know, rural. Um, marketing expert which yeah. you clearly are I think um, so there's two places one on LinkedIn if someone went in that tiny little box which most people think is just about finding a person's name you can actually search by keyword as well so if you have those words in your profile in the right place um, and you know you also have to do research within the 
platform to see actually what it is that people are looking for. Um, but also that comes up on Google as well. So Google ranks LinkedIn search very high. So if someone went rural marketing expert on Google, your LinkedIn profile might actually fly up the top as well. So why, do they, why do they, um, why does Google rate LinkedIn higher? Do you have any idea? Yeah. I guess it has got credibility and, you know, Google's a bit like it likes places with lots of traffic and interaction, um, fresh content. Yeah. So, and I think there's also just deals, you know, <laughs> at a top end. I mean, Google ranks its own channels very well. So YouTube always is super high. So if you've got content that's getting lost in the sea of normal internet, put it on a video and you'll get a jump up because less people are doing video. Um, so things like that. So LinkedIn, um, even though it's not owned by the Google family um, and, you know, YouTube over Vimeo, for example, they're giving it a priority, which is sort of a bit cheeky, but it's fair enough. Um, but LinkedIn, um, as far as I know, is not owned by Google, but it just seems to get ranked pretty high because it's just filling all the other criteria. Cool. So um, what, are, what are the other, some, you know, interesting, because I used to be like that with LinkedIn. I was like, oh, I'm not gonna, it was a, they, it yeah. used to use the word precious. It's right. It's like, oh, no, yeah. you know, I haven't met them in person, so it's a bit stalkerish and I won't do that. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm a work in progress in all kinds of ways, but like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still learning on LinkedIn. But I found it a, a great platform mm-hmm. because a lot of people put a lot of focus on Facebook and and then, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe Anne, talk to me about LinkedIn in terms of articles and content and, and building yourself as yeah. a domain because authority mm. building on LinkedIn, I imagine, you know, with your example, you did that mm. article on why the agency model is broken, a bit like yeah. my article on why, why field days is always has, has, is continuing to fail. You know, ah. that was very, very mm. successful. I had a little bit of a bite, nothing like yours, of course, but you get yeah. a thousand... Um, messages 100, 198 emails and then build yourself mm. about three million of um bidding yeah. opportunities which is very crm of you you are super <laughs> that's right the language but um you but know I think, how do yeah. people build good content and and, and and articles and authority what's your sort of what are your mm. learnings for people there there's probably two sides to it so my suitor side and my sneaker side again seems to come out so the sort of technical side of it is a lot of people blog on their own website my issue is that's lovely and it does a certain amount of brand conversion when people get there, but the challenge is your audience isn't there. So also LinkedIn now penalises when you link off their site. So what I decided to do was to stop blogging completely on my own site and use my LinkedIn account as a, a blog, right? And yeah. So there's a whole sort of like web you can weave, like even if you want to get people into your CRM because you've got a whole lot of emails and things and kind of a lot of people did that relationship marketing that way, you can still use your newsletter and your uh, CRM content but direct them back to LinkedIn where they can also engage in it as well. So you send them uh, back there. Then what happens also is LinkedIn sees you as highly viewed and they rank you higher because you're in the well, I've been in the top 10 most viewed LinkedIn um, profiles of my industry quite often and I think it's partly because I keep sending people back there it's the opposite of what most people would normally do they'd blog on their site and then share that on LinkedIn whereas yeah I'm reverse so that's been very successful as a sort of tactic 
But the other thing that happened and another thing I learned, a lot of my life learnings are from big mistakes that you can probably tell. How we learn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even um, on a personal level, I've got to tell you, lots of mistakes. Um, it's a bit so like think, jump in. It's a bit like with your, your kids when you see them growing up. You know, they walk mm. around the coffee table. They don't just go, oh, stuff it. I'm, I'm, I'm making too many mistakes. I'm not going to learn to walk now. They just keep going. Yeah. That's yeah. right. You just go, mm, okay, no. Carry on. The other mistake was uh, because I'm very fortunate that I have so much experience in every sort of department of the marketing chain, um, I used to talk about it every one and all the sort of thing. I thought that would be useful for people. This will be useful. But the problem was because it was so like broad spread, I think people just didn't know how I fit because it wasn't like the normal box, you know. And so the one strategy I now know makes sense because the minute I stopped doing this and there's another aspect to writing in a particular formula for all personality types, so that's another aspect probably too long to explain. Interesting. The content itself, if you have one thing you stand for and three sub-content themes and only talk about those, even though in the past where I had lots and lots of different marketing topics, they could still be scooped up into these themes. And my overriding sort of thing that I stood for is um, brands deserve better. And whether that's through their current agency or outside the agency, it doesn't matter. But, yeah, businesses and brands deserve better. And then all my sort of background of being a volunteer for conscious capitalism and an activist in ethics and empowerment all sort of fit under one box. And then the next one was about effective performance and understanding customer properly and the third was just celebrating really great creative that was actually effective so they're my uh themes but everyone will have their own and you know any if uh, my parents have um uh as dairy farmers you know they've served the cheese factories in the past and things like that if anything can have this same things they stand for and not also don't make it about what you do Make it about what your customer gets. Yeah. That's such a healthy reminder because, you know, when I do my training, we often talk about serving the best interests of our customers before we serve the best interests of ourselves. And we talk about yeah. serve to sell. We don't yes. sell, we serve to sell. And it's a distinction. Yeah. You're exactly the same there. And what you're saying, Anne, is like, it's mm. most like you've got one trunk and three branches, right? Yeah, Your main that's it. trunk is the, sorry to use such a tree analogy, it's the only one I could think of on a... Yeah, no, that's it. really nice, yeah. And, um, you know, and, and I suppose when you stick to that trunk and only branch out three ways, mm. is you're still connected to the trunk, but you share those same keywords and content that LinkedIn um, recognise and reward you for. Would that be right? That's right, yep. Yeah. And then people are looking for, you know, like even the word conscious, you know, yeah. conscious marketing people would search for that and then I would sort of appear yeah and that's for any business I think you were sort of touching on Facebook there um uh, for a moment and you know Facebook's got its place I think there's a little bit of um uh question over some parts of Facebook at the moment some people losing a bit of interest Mm. I think um you know when you're onto something early days you can really get a great result and then when everyone else starts going on some people look for a new alternative and I think we're in that position now where LinkedIn is really the new thing and I feel really lucky that I accidentally discovered how powerful it actually is. Um, So when I have talked about the success I've had with it, 
like mostly I would be honest, it is definitely for a B2B experience. At the same time, I'm saying there are also clever ways that a product can also make it work in that sort of network. And the big question I always ask is, okay, so you're a product that normally goes one-to-one to a consumer, but who else has that audience to share? So then you can turn it into a, a B2B experience because you're looking for people who've got your that network. Um, you can also do things by region, like especially in a rural area, you can say, okay, I, I was brought up in South Gippsland in Victoria down the bottom there. So, you know, South Gippsland and Gippsland, they're like family, right? So yeah. there's yeah. no reason why someone in that area um, can't just connect locally like you would. Like in a country town when you are part of a community, people really do look out for each other when you connect like genuinely as a person to person. And I think the thing about LinkedIn that's great is a lot of people are mistaken that I'm going to connect with someone because I can sell to them or they'll buy from me. And I would say 80, 90% of my work comes from my network saying you should talk to Anne. And I think it's because I've built in this process, it's not a pushy, silly thing at all. I'm really anti that. It's actually, I want to connect with you. I want to hear about what you're doing. And I'm actually trying to build a bit of a virtual relationship. Like even us, look, we, you know, where we are today from somehow or other, we connected on LinkedIn all that time ago, right? Yeah. And so I think that's awesome. And so now, um, you know, we probably could say, oh, I know this great guy in New Zealand that does you know, rules, sort of special specialist work. And you might go, there's this nerdy <laughs> girl that wears sneakers in Melbourne who used to be a dairy farmer's daughter, so you should talk to her. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that because the thing you reminded me of, Anne, is like your network is your net worth, right? And and I know that always in all our interactions on LinkedIn and the emails we swap, you've always been incredibly mm. genuine, a real sincerity. You're mm. very clear what you stand for, your morals and your ethics, and you back it up mm. 110% in your writing and it's it's mm, awesome to see. And, and like what you're saying there is if you're going to connect, mm. take the right intent, right? Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah, like, it yeah, is. And, you know, you know genuine, genuinely connect like in a real person. I always teach people that, you know, when you're in LinkedIn, you have to think of it as if you're standing in front of this person in the same room and what would you say then? I mean, I have a lot of people even going, oh, I don't know what to say. Like clients will ring me and say, someone's commented on my post. What should I say? <laughs> and I say, what would you say if they were standing right in front of you? I'd say thanks. I say, yes, yeah, say thanks, but tag them. <laughs> and it's, it's nice. like they don't understand it's like you have to treat it like you're a real person. Yeah. I must say this has been a really good test with the client recently. So because of this automation thing, some people come just for the automation part. And so there's a scripting. It sort of works a little like MailChimp automations do, yeah. but for LinkedIn. Yep. Anyway, one client was really pushing me to be silly, silly, silly. And I'm going, nah, it doesn't feel good. Like, I don't like this. I don't normally do this. I normally do this very light thing. And then they find you if it's appropriate. And I sort of talked about this whole thing. And he just was really insistent. And I went, all right, let's try. And then we tried it his way. And the, his salesperson got banned from LinkedIn. Because too many people said, I don't know you, I don't know you, I don't know you. And uh, so then we had to go and sort of suck up to LinkedIn and get them 
um, back oh, on. He got banned from LinkedIn. You know, I, yeah, I, they get shut down. Boss, I had an old yeah. boss that spammed everyone on LinkedIn and I think oh. you go groveling back. Yeah, yeah, you get certain amounts of warnings and certain amounts of chances. Anyway, after that I said, now will you let me do it? my way <laughs> and he went yes yes i'm sorry i've learned my there's, lesson there's the right way and there's a wrong way isn't there and, That's and it, you, yeah. you kind of with your course what you're doing and is you kind of you you kind of crack the code haven't you because you're living proof yeah. of it. That's and, it and the case studies i gotta say it's so mind-blowing like i at the moment it's telling to me that some of my clients are actually digital marketing companies who do SEM. Wow, that's ironic. Marketing. It's ironic, that's I know. Nice. And then another woman who does Facebook and Instagram stuff as yeah. well. Yeah. And like both of those, it's like so outperforming anything that they're doing. Like it's actually pretty ridiculous. The um, I was doing a case study in a video i'll share this with you afterwards i was talking with a salesperson about how you can maximize the conversion at the end because there's like a delineation of when all my marketing stuff is done and then there's a how can you convert that better at the end with a sales process Mm -hmm. i've been talking with a sales trainer going how can we get people to you know maximize the end bit because i'm like that's not my bit but yeah can we do it better it's a pretty important bit i know it's like number one it's, so then, it's just been amazing. She's done this calculation and said, okay, so they're converting, you know, I'm going, the return on investment's amazing. We're counting like 7,000% on, you know, this one case study we were talking about yesterday. And that's not even like a really big one because some clients' um, commercial value of their transactions are pretty huge. Like yeah, I'm working yeah. with someone who's now in a $30 million deal discussion because of this LinkedIn work. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. That's Please win one. that one. That's, that's like a one. that's a good case study. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather go for a thirty million deal discussion that was generated by LinkedIn. Yeah, seven grand gig. Um, I, I, I think the fee would be well justified in the commercial context there, right? Eh? For sure. Yeah. The thing is, though, I don't often show those cases because hardly anyone would really believe it because it's, it's too so good to be true. Too good to be true. Because yeah. it's like, oh my goodness, yeah. you know. Like we had, a, I had a client like yesterday who, um, in, in, in the farming fraternity. And we work with his lowest performing sales rep and uh, oh. not a plug, but it was just fascinating and, and, and satisfying mm. to get that feedback loop. And he said, we've got this guy up. He's already nailed his last year's targets in August, which is now, mm. August 2020. And he's, st- and he's matched last year, this year, August. He's still got five months to run and he's on track to be 40% up. And I'm like, that is awesome. That so, is awesome. You know, like, but yeah. he, he was, you know, to give his credit, he's worked his ass off and he's got really good mm. at he's, he's lifted the weights, you know, because your personal trainer yeah. doesn't lift the weights. You do. Right. Only work when you do. So, yeah. uh, you know, like you, it's really cool when what you do, you know it works and you've got the case studies to back it up. That's it. I love how you're talking about this synergy between the marketing and the sales oh. process. I think a lot of people think they're enemies of each other. Um, they're so codependent. Oh, they're so codependent. And I think there's this grey area in the middle of operations as well. I have a um, funnel that I use to measure marketing and sales performance in one and then there's like what operational things is sort of grey between the two departments and how can we sort of weave this like a thread of um, stitching with a bow on the bottom that keeps the two bits together and I think it is this operational stuff and yeah looking at what this sales trainer's 
doing and lifting that back end, it's like super, super cool. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you've had a really good point there around. I reckon mm. decentralizing sales and marketing is one of the worst things you can do. And I blogged on it, yeah. um, but I certainly didn't get a thousand mm. responses. So I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, actually, sales and marketing like hand and glove, they have to work together and they're codependent and interrelated. Mm. And, uh, they are different too. And I think it's challenging when salespeople come and talk to marketing. Oh, yeah. They tell you, my customer wants this, this, or, this. Or you're spending all the money and I'm making all the money. Yeah, I hear the yeah. boss centre, I'm the yeah. profit centre. The reality is you're all on the same team and you're trying to yeah. get through. And, and marketing can help mm. sales team. And marketing is a function of sales and sales is a function of marketing. Right? Mm. I agree. I mean, I feel like this strategy of any strategy I've experienced over the years is the best friend of the sales team because there's nothing better for them than tangible inquiries in my inbox yeah. every day. And yeah. we're getting like 25 to 45 a day yeah. of conversations that are qualified. So they're going to love you for like it. Proven. They're going to love you for it because a sales team, yeah. to shut up a sales team as a marketer is to drown them in leads. Yeah, and in fact, no one. <laughs> more qualified leads for you. Good luck with those. Yeah. Tell me when you want some more. It's funny. I've actually had no one's gone longer than four months on the proper full thing because they can't handle the volume of okay. inquiry. And I'm going, why would you say stop? Like just get someone in the sales department to help, you know, do the sort of um, qualifying and appointment setting and then move your salespeople into the other but yeah, a lot of people just go, never, just need you to stop. Well, it's funny, we go for hours, but it won't. But, like, you know, you, yes. you speak to a marketing manager or, or uh, you know, in my case, a rural business owner, CEO, GM, business owner, and mm. they talk about the marketing, missing its mark. And I go, but I've never heard people not stop spending money on mar marketing that was working. So, yeah, like, restrain, right. limit yeah. your revenue and mm. your income and being the ability to feed mm. your own family by, by constraining marketing that that works yeah. that's meaningful so yes yeah, it's, it's crazy yeah. hey look we, we're jumping around a bit but like yeah. um can you give us a little and give us a little plug about like some of the course outline we we, we talked a little bit and i'm looking at mm. what i saw and what you sent through you talk about profile yeah. best practice you talk about network building scripts for linkedin messages and obviously some automation in there the unspoken yeah. etiquette or the you know the language of linkedin and i really like your point around moving from a social platform to a marketing machine Content theme yeah. development, video content, articles. We've had a little chat about engagement tactics. I mean, like out mm. of all of them, because mm. I'm conscious of time, is like mm. which which ones have been the eighty twenty the Pareto effect? Which ones have worked their asses off for you? Which are the ones that are the real go tos, or you've got to do all of them? Yeah, no, it is a very sort of uh, complex little web. I think if you were to only have a certain amount of time and a certain amount of money, I'm going like, what would I do? I would definitely do this automation thing because. I think even at the worst case, it still gets really great results. And then all the other stuff, what I feel the job of that is that's actually improving the conversion rate. So there's a few sort of basics that you just have to have right before you start all of that, like get your profile kind of telling your brand story. But I would say, yeah, I just, if I had to do anything, I'd just jump straight to the automation -y bit. And then, um, uh, and then, yeah, just make sure that the profile is delivering the 100% of what your brand stands for and your point of difference. Yeah. So what you're saying is make sure you optimise your profile with the keywords because obviously Google's going to yeah. LinkedIn higher because obviously it's an authority site and it's credibility right. and there's obviously a bit of a deal going on there in the background. Yeah. Cool. So, Anne, um, yeah. tell me, 
because this is almost my favourite question I always ask at the end of each show. And um, it is, if you have one piece of advice for rural sales professionals or rural business owners who are listening to this and going, I want to use LinkedIn better for my sales and lead generation, what would your one piece of advice be to them and why? Definitely the rural thing, you know, has a little bit of its own um, topic there. But I'd say, like, you know, a rural business is not excluded from having LinkedIn as a powerful tool for a start. But on, I would say shifting from making it like a social network and moving it to thinking about it as your marketing lead generation tool and your most powerful one regardless of what sort of business to me that's the number one thing cool so what you're saying is um instead of thinking of it as a social media tool think of it as a marketing machine and invest yeah. in it accordingly so think of it almost like a, yeah. i was really interested about the higher website thing which mm. is um around how you actually optimize it a LinkedIn profile, almost like you would optimise a web page, right? That's right. So you tell your brand story, you make it work for search, you make sure you've got all your brochures available on there and all your assets. Um, you can even make sure all your people are properly linked and belong to the company as well because everyone's going to be stalking you and your employees as well. A lot of people write the name of the company in text but they don't actually like link it, you know, so you link and select. And then you're not representing the business properly. Yeah. So I think there's a whole lot of those things that are super important about telling you the best bits of your brand through LinkedIn. That's yeah. the company page and your own and each of the employees as well. Yeah, we should talk about maybe another time around, or I'm sure of course we'll mm -hmm. talk about, you know, your personal profile versus a company profile. Because, yeah. again, like sales and marketing, they're going to need slightly different disciplines, aren't they? So, and look, right. we're, almost, we're almost out of time, but what I want to say is, People that have been listening to this and hang, hanging through it, where can they find out more? Where do we go to find out more about your LinkedIn learning course? Because I know oh, you're thanks. real deal and you're living proof. Where, where can they yeah. go? Thanks for that. I really appreciate the chance to share it because I actually really want to help people, especially in this environment. So I was sort of stopping doing this. So I'm really um, doing one because I'm getting a bit of request. Um, so you can go to Suits and Sneakers. So that's like, you know, Suits Like You Wear, A-N-D sneakers with an s yep. and it's um dot global and at the bottom of the website there's a little tile that says linkedin and then it's, it'll take you to the right um event page with whatever's the current one there cool. so, so thanks people, i appreciate that chance oh no, you're welcome and so people can do that online can they they can actually go go and do that online they don't have to be physically in melbourne or anything. no we can do right. it online yeah. program, right? it's normally a three-hour um face-to-face -face, but I'm going to split it into two sessions over um, two consecutive weeks so two hours and then that's like the fundamentals and then there's probably some homework to go sort yourself out and then come with any questions and then we get into the like advanced stuff so you got your beginner and your advanced that's it and they get an overview of what the whole landscape of LinkedIn could look like in the beginning as well and then I think even if you've not that hugely um, using it, but you you know use it a bit. I think you'd be right there, and then know what the future could look like. I think if you don't see that and don't know, then you'll never get there. So I'd so encourage you're, everyone you're, to come. What you're politely saying is put your L plates on first before you go for your full license, right? Yeah, or even don't be worried about. Um, it's like my one of my kids 
when it was brand new um, starting school, burst into tears and says, I can't go to school because I don't know how to um, read or write. <laughs> I said, that's what you go to school for. <laughs> so I'm saying don't be afraid that you have to go full bore into, you know, the top end if you're not quite there. Like it would be sort of nice if you actually knew you had a profile and you, you know, use it a bit, I think. Otherwise it might be a bit overwhelming. But, you know, use it and know it. And then I'll take you to LinkedIn on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Hey, Anne, it's been awesome, awesome chatting to you today and, um, you know, connecting again and, and having a good chat. I reckon there's a few things I've picked up. I love the message you said around summarizing around shift the mindset from being like a social media platform to being a marketing machine. Another point you really made, which is really good one around, is actually use all the search functionality. And that's probably more the the more advanced sort of tools of LinkedIn because, again, 80-20, we only use some of the basic software. We might only use 10% of it, like posting and and that's and maybe an odd article. So you'll be able to take people through that. And I like the fact you 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 open my eyes to the fact that I blog a lot and um, I email each week, as everyone knows, at 9.53 on a Tuesday. For some reason, that's the time that works best. And then I put those um, articles and repurpose them as blogs on LinkedIn. And and then I put my my website too. So I'm sure you can teach me that actually really instead of blogging mm. on your site, you should be blogging mm. where the audience is and the traffic and the authority yeah. where LinkedIn is, right? Yeah. And yeah. just a quick little thing on that because if you duplicate content on Google, Google disadvantages you. So yeah. you actually better having one main channel with the same content too. So, and that channel should be LinkedIn, yeah. you're saying. Yeah, go LinkedIn. Yeah, because yeah, what? Try it. Tell me how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will. Well, I'll be signing up soon enough anyway. So, look, and look, yeah. awesome. and hey, really nice to hear about you and where you came from. And, you know, when we were talking about the agency model another day, mm. we could talk for ages over that one. But <laughs> you've spoken like a true uh, dairy farmer's daughter. I'm sure both parents are very proud of you and where you've ended up and what you've achieved. So it's been awesome thanks. to chat to you today and um, thanks for uh, thanks for being with us. I really appreciate it. You're doing such good stuff. I think anything to give the rural community a leg up at the moment is just awesome. So good on you. Thanks. Thanks.